Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you, <laughs> the listener. Th- yes, for listening. It's David, your job. Yes. Well, not really job. <laughs> no, as the listener, your yeah. job is to listen. But you're not getting, you know, you're not getting paid. No, speaking of getting paid though. <laughs> David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm 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 doing very well. Yeah, uh, indeed. I've, had a, I've had a good weekend. Yeah. What did you do this weekend? I drank a lot. But right, then. but I slept till two today, so no hangover. All right, <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> so uh, so David, you were talking about getting paid. Yeah, we uh, as we talked about last week, we're having a sort of uh, guess you call it a pledge drive. No donation drive. I don't like pledges because someone can back out of that. Okay, uh, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, uh, just get it done. Uh, yes, yeah, so don- a donation drive. Uh, to to help us to get some some equipment and uh, just to be reimbursed for the stuff we have to pay for. That's true. Uh, yes. And um, but <laughs> I guess we were maybe a little ill prepared last week. We kind of yeah. put the cart before the horse a little bit. We didn't have our uh, our prize packages right uh, set up and ready to go. Yeah, that is no longer a problem, Tyler. Right, we got it all worked out. And just and for the record, uh, for those that are worried, uh, for the people that did that did donate. Your your name will your your name will be in, yes. included in in the raffle. So yes, yes. Um, David, what what do we have to offer? <laughs> well, we've got uh, we've we've got two main prizes, and then sort of a like a, a almost a consolation prize. <laughs> no, because it's not going to everyone. <laughs> that's true. There's a, there's a third prize. It's not uh, that's well, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, um, on, David. <laughs> but uh, here, here's what we, we've. We've gone to our uh, our stable of guests, yep. uh, many of whom are very funny and very prolific in the entertainment field. Right. They, they put stuff out. Yep. So um, here's what we got. We have one. Uh, we're, we're separating the prizes into, into DVDs and CDs. Yeah. So uh, let's start with the DVD prize. Absolutely. If, if, you, if you win the DVD prize. What do you win, David? You get um, Graham Elwood's documentary, Live from Afghanistan. Yep. Uh, you get Jimmy Dore's stand-up special, Citizen Jimmy. Very funny. Um, you get uh, two things from uh, former guest Eric Matthews. Um, his his company put together the uh, the Black Freighter DVD. Well, what they did. Um, so for Watchmen, you know, they released Tales of the Black Freighter. Now, mm-hmm. the actual animated film, uh, Eric had nothing to do with. But there's a secondary feature which is actually longer, and it's a mockumentary called Under the Hood. Right. If you um, and if you've read the. Watchman comic, you know exactly right. what that is, and uh, and so he directed that, and uh, and I've watched it and I enjoyed it a great deal. And, and they're both on there. They're both on. So there. we're getting that from him, and yeah. also a, a short documentary he made called Ayamye. Ayamye, that's right. It's a very uh, it's it's a very touching documentary. It's won uh, several uh, awards at various film festivals, and uh, so he has uh, very kindly included that as well. Okay, so um, from Stephen Reedy, we have a, a short film by Stephen Reedy called right. Undercut, yeah. which we talked about when he was on the show. Uh, yeah. It was nominated for an MTV Movie Award. That's right. Um, we have, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners are aspiring screenwriters. Yeah. Uh, or so in love with Pilar Alessandro's voice. Yeah. In fact, those two things together, probably everyone yeah. who listens to us is... Yeah. Uh, Falls under that. Um, so uh, we have Pilar's DVD on the page, yep. which is a, a sort of screenwriting. It's, it, I mean, she she teaches screenwriting classes, and yep. this is sort of a version of one of those on a DVD. Right. And it's uh, I'm not a screenwriter, but man, is it helpful! Just yep. it's it's really good. And then um, 
from uh, going way back to um, Aaron Katz and uh, Andrew, Andrew Reed, Reed. Yeah. The guy who's my friend. Yeah. Whose name I just forgotten. Yeah. Um, uh, we have uh, the DVD of Quiet City, which is Quiet City and Dance Party USA. Right. On the same DVD, which uh, Aaron Katz directed both of those and Andrew Reed was a cinematographer for Quiet City. Right. So that's the... So that's one package, that's the everybody. DVD, yeah, that's Graham Elwood, Jimmy Dore, Black Freighter, Ayamye, Undercut, On the Page, Quiet City. Yeah. Uh, the CD packet. Yeah. Um, not as many titles on here, but yeah. it's just as, as packed with awesomeness. Absolutely. We got, um, uh, courtesy of uh, Paul Goebel, we have... <laughs> uh, the. His CD is it? Does it have a name? It's called "The Greatest Hits of the King." The Greatest Hits of the King, and it is it is Paul Goebel singing TV theme songs, and it is every bit as delightful as you think it might be. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, and then also the best of the Paul Goebel show, which right. is a, another podcast that yeah. uh, people should should listen to. And there's actually there's there's uh, looking at at what uh, the tracks that were on there. Uh, he has tracks with Jimmy Dore. Graham Elwood, Mike Schmidt. So a lot of people that have been on our show are also on that CD as well. Right. Um, and then, uh, courtesy of multiple people here, uh, we'd thank uh, a special thing, Records, yep. which or AST Records, I guess is yep. what it's actually called. That's uh, Matt Belknap, yep. uh, friend of the show, m- multiple recurring guest. Yeah. Um, we have uh, n- uh, Never Not Funny, Volume 1. Which yep. is the best of the first twenty episodes of Never Not Funny, yep. which also uh, includes Mike Schmidt yep. and, of course, Jimmy Pardo. Right. Um, we have also on AST Records. We have Jen Kirkman's CD, Self Help. Very funny. Very funny. First yep. comedy CD I ever bought, as yep. I mentioned on on the show with her. And then we have uh, the Sklar Brothers CD, with which is delightfully titled Sklar Maps. Yeah. And that's yeah. It's that's also, also really good. Yeah. David and I were there for that recording, and mm-hmm. it's just it was. It's it's very funny. We're, we now we are trying to get uh, another CD that I won't I won't mention it because I don't want to. If it turns out we don't get it, I don't want you guys to be disappointed. But yeah, and I'm trying also to trying to get, get another DVD that I don't want to mention. Right, right. But, um, so uh, so yeah, so all these and more. But then the third package, David, uh, Tyler. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the third package is uh, you know depending on uh, how much you love our show, it could be very exciting. Uh, you get uh, you get a Battleship Pretension T-shirt of your choosing, of course. Yeah. Um, you get some Battleship Pretension stickers, and then a third thing, which I'm not 100 percent what that will be. It could be uh, perhaps a to- like a little tote bag. Okay. It could be a mug. A mug would be cool. A mug would be great, you know. And uh, and Do of we course, have travel mugs. Um, I don't think so. We've uh, got. We should look into that. Well, I'll see, I'll see what's available on uh, you know at uh, Cafe Press. Yeah. But uh, but there are you know uh, there are three different designs of course uh, for the t-shirts and for the mugs. There is our old logo, which uh, which I'm a big fan of. There's our new logo, and then of course there's the immortal phrase "You'll get yours, Gambin," which <laughs> I almost want to buy that myself, even though it's it came from my dream because uh-huh. um, <laughs> I just like the idea of having that on my shirt. So. Um, so yeah, so those are our three very exciting stuff. Absolutely, I mean these are you know that DVD package that's worth at least a hundred dollars. Okay, but here's the thing: all you need to do, listener, is donate five dollars and cross your fingers and cross your fingers <laughs> and hope that nobody else donates. <laughs> that's a flaw. Um, but uh, but yeah, so if you donate five dollars, you are entered into the raffle. All right, and uh, we will announce 
who won, uh, I guess in June because because uh, I'm going to be out of town. But oh uh, yeah, that's right. So we will announce it in June. Uh, who you know who gets package one, two, and three, and um, yeah. So five dollars. Feel free to go up to ten. You can give more if you like, but uh, that's up to you. Um, just go to the uh, homepage of battleshippretention.com. But also, uh, I started a new page just called Donations, uh, and it basically says everything that we've been talking about here, uh, you know, what we will y- be using, you know, the money for, not specifically, like, not all of our expenses, but, uh, uh, you know, and just the amount that we'd prefer. There's a click, you know, there's a, which is to say $5. Sorry, not the overall amount. Um, there's the donation button, but then also there's it's, a, it's okay if they donate more than $5. There's, it's absolutely, but no less. <laughs> you will still be entered into the raffle if you, if you give us more than $5. Hmm. <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. Yes, of course you'll be entered into the raffle. Well, you um, said the preferred amount. Like we're like, I guess I'll take this. Perhaps by donation. preferred I meant minimum. Yes, I think so, that is what you... That's what I mean. Um, but then also there is, uh, you know, because we, we listed off a lot of things, David, uh, yeah. for the raffle. So there is also a, a list of the various prizes that you can that uh, that you can win. So Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, and thank you to everybody who uh, has donated so far. Um, we really do appreciate it. Uh, so we're doing good. Uh, so we're going to be doing the, the donation drive for the next few weeks. We'll mention we're, it. Uh, we're, we're doing well, Tyler. What was that? We're doing well. No, I mean good. We're doing good work. We're doing good in this world. Oh. Not evil. Okay. I didn't know that. I meant to say well. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so yes, thank you everybody. We really do appreciate it. And uh, let's just keep it coming because you could stand to win quite a bit. Very exciting. Okay. Now then, uh, in regards to some of the download problems that people have been having, um, you know, as I've said, they're just... Uh, I don't know if some of the problem is with iTunes. Our our feed seems to be doing fine, but we want to be able to do everything that we can to help, you know, iTunes or whatever the case may be. And we have a lot of episodes available, all right? Perhaps too many. Uh-huh. So, uh, ahead of schedule, we were going to take down the next, the, the you know, uh, episodes 21 through 40. Uh, we were going to take those down when we hit episode 120. We're going to take them down a little bit ahead of time. Yeah. Um because right now there are like 95 episodes available and that's quite a few. So we're going to take down the next the next 20 episodes probably within this next week. Yeah. Um, but we'll be leaving up the guest episodes. We'll be leaving Don't up worry. the guest episodes. So all those episodes that are fun to listen to as opposed to us making announcements for 15 minutes at the top of every show. <laughs> Just lately, David. I know. I'm starting to feel bad about it. Oh, no, don't feel bad, David. Um, cuz it's entertaining the way we do it, right? That's what I'm hoping. I don't think so, though. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we will be taking down the next 20, except uh, the guest episodes, all right? So you will always have access to those. Um, but yeah, if you want to download the next 20 episodes, do it within this next week, because they will be gone after that. So Okay. Um, well, let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. Did you want to talk about uh, who we lost? Yeah, I mean, let's get into the episode. Okay, indeed. And then we'll get into... Sorry, everybody, for uh, all the announcements. So. No, it was fun. It was it was fun. Okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, you always you know it's very exciting. You always want to know uh, what you're going to win, and uh, you know I think it was to to the person's advantage. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> David, I'm a little sad. Me too. Why are you sad? 
because Dom DeLuise died? That uh, that is also why I am sad. Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, I am not that familiar with a lot of Dom DeLuise's work. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen any of the work that he's done with, like, Burt Reynolds. I never saw Cannonball Run or any of those. Um, the End. Those the, are my dad's favorite movies. Which what was that? The end. The end. Yeah, mm, I've never seen it. No, oh, it's I, neither have I. Oh, okay, <laughs> but my um, dad loved it. But I have seen him in you know I've I've seen him in a lot of the uh, Mel Brooks films, and yeah. uh, he's you know regardless of what you may think about Mel Brooks films, you know like he was Dom DeLuise was in uh, <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh-huh. and it, that's not a very good movie. No, but he, however. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's, you know, it's a very obvious, there's one part that makes me laugh every time because he's basically doing a, like a Don Corleone, like a Godfather impression. It's like, all right, well, that's somewhat obvious, but he's doing it well. And there's one part where one of his henchmen has had his tongue removed. Uh-huh. And so Dom DeLuise, <laughs> Dom DeLuise, he's, he goes, he goes, watch this, watch this. And of course he's doing this in the Godfather voice. Okay. He goes, watch this, do this. And then he just starts laughing. He goes, <laughs> he can't do it. And he's just so, it's so hilarious. And just that. And then, of course, uh, for me, his weird little role in Blazing Saddles. It's, I, I want to talk about that because okay. Blazing Saddles for me doesn't entirely hold up. The movie's uh, not, yeah. over. it's still got some great parts, but overall it's not nearly as funny as I thought it was when I was 12. Right. You know. It's fairly juvenile yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, uh I actually, really, just sort of uh, coincidentally, like two days before Don Dolly's died, mm-hmm. uh, Blazing Saddles was on, I think, AMC. AMC, yeah, they show it a lot. Yeah. And so I, I, I turned it on, and that scene was just starting. Yeah. And, man, it's hilarious. That actually is funnier to me than it was when I was 12. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, the, I mean, if you... <laughs> If you all pardon my language, but the part when he's when he's like stomping in time and he's like, "Watch me, faggots!" <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's, uh, and then sounds like steam escaping. Yeah, it just. I mean, that's you know, and that that could be viewed as offensive, but it's just the the fact that his character is just as like effeminate <laughs> and gay as the people that he's making fun of, like yeah. that, like. Like when when Slim Pickens is like, it's like you're paid to do this, not dance around like a bunch of Kansas City faggots. Uh-huh. Granted, still kind of funny because it's Slim Pickens, but it sounds more hateful than him just going, "Watch me, faggots." <laughs> and it, I'm sorry if we're offending anybody by saying that, but it's just it it is very funny the way. Yeah, he that's does not it. a word that we. Yeah, we uh, don't bandy, bandy about. That. We both said bandy. Yeah. Good for um, us. Yeah, but that's not what this is about. This is about Don DeLuise. Right. I, I just have to be the apologist for a second. No, it's fine. To... I could see somebody being uh, upset by by us, us quoting that. And some people may not even find that scene funny because they'd be like, oh, that's you know, that's offensive. And, you know, fair enough. I find it very well, funny. Well, that's Blazing Saddles, uh, the entire movie, it, it, it takes a stereotype and then riffs on it mm-hmm. over and over again throughout the movie. It's got, you know, the black dude. It's got the white crackers you know it's got the uh you know mel brooks is of course like the jewish guy right and even though he's like a mayor in the old (laughs) west he's he's very much the sort of uh 20th century stereotype of the of the jewish dude and then so that's the one scene where they make fun of the gay stereotype yeah and that movie's a an equal opportunity offender i guess uh and it is kind of juvenile but it's it's kind of smartly juvenile it knows it's juvenile yeah yeah but it's uh 
anyway, I, we've gone on way too long talking about this because yeah. I just wanted to make sure that people weren't offended. Right. Um, now, uh, in a movie, again, we mention way too often, for one reason or another, all of them com- fairly organic, uh-huh. I'm going to bring up the cheap detective again. <laughs> oh, Sorry, yeah. everybody. <laughs> um, but he basically, and of course, those who, that, that don't know, um, the cheap detective is Neil Simon's uh, variation, you know, his, his parody of every Humphrey Bogart type movie. Um, and Dom DeLuise plays the Peter Lorre role. And just and the 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 joke of that character is that he's just so repellent. He's greasy and just wears horrible perfume mm-hmm. and just and the way the way uh, Dom DeLuise plays him, it's like how can I make this character who's already just the way he's dressed, who's already really repugnant, how do I make it worse? And just and the way he laughs, he incorporates like those weird pig noise into his laugh, and it's mm-hmm. just. And it, and it made it really funny, especially if you're a fan of Peter Lorre like myself. And, uh, and especially, you know, he plays uh, Pappy Damascus as opposed to uh, Joel Cairo. And, um, and so it just, I don't know, I, like everything that I've seen, every like interview that I've seen with Dom DeLuise, he just seemed like just a nice guy and a fun guy and just, uh, just willing to do, and funny, legitimately funny, willing mm-hmm. to do whatever was required of him uh, to make something funny, and uh, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him. As strange yeah. as that sounds, you know, it seems like a lot of episodes recently we've been talking about people who have died. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's happened a lot lately. Yeah, um, and I'm wondering if that's because if there is like just a lot of celebrity death lately, or is it that we're finally getting old enough that celebrities who are old enough to die are important to us? That's uh, that's a possibility. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was there have been like big celebrities in the past when I was younger. That I'm like, oh, so and so died. That's unfortunate. But I mean, you know, Paul Newman and yeah. Let's see who else. Uh, Bernie Mac. Not that he Bernie, was old. Yeah, yeah. Isaac Hayes. George uh, Carlin. George Carlin. Andy Hallett was his name, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah, B. Arthur recently, and now Dom Delu. Like people who were in movies. Or TV shows that we watched as we were growing up, mm-hmm. and then in the case of like Paul Newman, it's a little different because he's just a classic actor that uh, that we liked. But it's I mean if you know I mean what what year did Natalie Wood die? Were we alive? Oh my, I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Uh, but let's say someone like a Natalie Wood or something. Yeah. Uh, or if it, if someone like a Paul Newman died when I was say ten or eleven years old. I would know that that person was important, but I wouldn't have the attachment to him because I hadn't oh, yeah. had that extra 15 years of watching his movies. Yeah, Robert Mitchum and uh, Jimmy Stewart died within a year of each other in, I think, 97. Yeah. And um, and at the time... That's a perfect example. At the time, I think I had seen the original Cape Fear, and I liked Robert Mitchum in that. And I don't know if I had seen any Jimmy Stewart movies, but I knew who he was. Um, and I was like, oh, that's that's a shame. Both these guys, you know... If they had died in 2007, I would be, you know, heartbroken because mm-hmm. I love because I love both of them, Jimmy Stewart especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe we're just yeah, maybe we're just getting more. Maybe every episode from now on, we're going to be talking about somebody that has passed away. Yeah, let's hope so. Absolutely, because <laughs> these people deserve to be honored. Yeah. No question All right, about let, it. let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. I have no idea how long we've been going. Oh, me either. Yeah, we forgot to set the timer. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> this is a three-hour-long episode, but uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I go into the zone when I do these, man. 
Do you really? Oh yeah, I, I forget. Uh, I don't get hungry while we're podcasting. Huh. I don't. I don't have to go to the bathroom. That's not true at all. I, uh, yeah, I don't think about anything except for podcasting during your, these these episodes. Your phone rang a moment ago, and you set the microphone down <laughs> and went to look at it. That's true. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so all right. Let's, we were on the uh, the slash film cast, as a lot of people know. Yeah. Uh, recently, we were talking about State of Play. That, That's right. That new uh, the new Kevin McDonald film, not the guy from Kids in the Hall. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, r- regardless of how you and I felt about the movie, it has a lot to say about the state of journalism. Right. Um, which is a it's a big topic these days. You yeah. know, newspapers are, are folding or yeah. laying people off or going to online only or all, you know all this stuff and so it uh ins- inspired uh, the two of us to uh do an episode on movies about journalism yeah and that's that's a a subgenre of film that i've i've loved for a long time the idea of of journalists and and that just what they do it's just it's always seemed somewhat romantic to me because of the way they've been portrayed in film i mean it has always been viewed as not always, actually. Most of the time, it's been viewed as a very noble profession. But actually, if you go back far enough, you go, you know, you'll see like "Sweet Smell of Success" or "Ace in the Hole," which I criminally have not seen yet, mm-hmm. uh, and talks and you know those films talk about the the downside of uh, or the not the downside, but the you know the flip side of journalism and you know the idea of sensationalism and and that sort of thing, um, and. But it's just it's a subject that I've I've wanted to talk about a lot. But uh, because we were talking about it a great deal uh, on the slash film cast, it was just really present in my mind. And because uh, after that, I went and watched uh, the original BBC miniseries of it mm-hmm. and uh, found it to be wonderful. We didn't we didn't care for the the film state of play, but I love the miniseries. It's really great. Good. Um, and so. So I think we're going to wind up just going through kind of our lists and talking about, you know, the good ones, the bad ones, what they have to say. Yeah, what they have to say. Is um, you know, uh, and so I'm not really sure where to start. Well, I want to start um, with a movie that, uh, even though it's 10 years before um, State of Play, or, mm. or four years, I guess, before the miniseries. Yeah. What year's the miniseries? 2003? 2003, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but it has a lot uh, of the same complaints. It's n- It's not necessarily as much in the forefront of stated play but the movie the insider oh yeah uh has it makes a lot of points about where and there and it's t- tv journalism in this right. uh in this case but where it's going you know yeah. uh how it's how it's fallen how it's become how it's gone from being a sort of public service to just another wing of the entertainment industry yeah. you know well and certainly I mean, or at the very least, I mean, you said the entertainment industry or the idea of it being, instead of a public service, an industry in general. Yeah. Something that is money, you know, like very money oriented. You know, I mean, if you watch The Insider, uh, one of the big aspects of it is like, hey, this is a great story. Oh, we could get sued. Eh, yeah. N- never mind. You know, um, and it's, and if you look at a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of these uh, movies that are on my on my list, you'll run across like one of the big one of the big themes of recent, uh, so you know, somewhat recent um, journalism films is the idea of you know corporate uh, 
interference. Interference, yeah. And um, and the insiders, I'd say the insiders probably the best example of that. Yeah, because it's unlike State of Play, it's a it's wo- it's woven into a good movie as opposed to it just being right. something that the movie is yelling at you the whole time. Yeah, and it's uh, and also because I mean it's it's based on a true story, and it's just. And the journalists involved, which for those that haven't seen The Insider, it's it's about uh, uh, a journalist for 60 Minutes who finds uh, a guy who worked for Big Tobacco, and he has... That was the name of the company he worked for, Big Tobacco. Well, he worked for Brown and Williamson, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I was always... Fa- Side note, like <laughs> Big Oil, Big Tobacco, like uh-huh. I've always been fascinated. When I was a kid, I remember finding those terms to be like kind of strange because I was like... Is there a small tobacco? <laughs> like, is there? A, it, I know that's kind of a juvenile, kind of silly joke, but at the time, I was like, no one ever talks about small tobacco. <laughs> but there's got to be a small tobacco if there's a big tobacco, right? <laughs> anyway, but um, but like, uh, so he finds out that uh, this this guy played by Russell Crowe has like this very damaging information about his tobacco company, and so he's like, oh well, we got to get him on sixty minutes. So they have this interview. But they have to fight through so much, uh, so many obstacles on every side. That's that's, <coughs> excuse me. That's the thing about the movie that that fascinated me the most is that, first off, uh, they have to fight Russell Crowe's company, who mm-hmm. is kind of in the film they're using, fair, kind of intimidation techniques that uh, tactics. Sorry, intimidation tactics that are illegal. Uh-huh. Um, but there's no way to prove it was them. But at the same time, they're also using tactics that are completely legal. Like, and so the law, in a lot of ways, is on their side. Even if what, even if like he has information that says that about illegal things that they've been doing, so he's getting it from the legal side, from the corporate side, and then another aspect. He's uh, Al Pacino, who plays the the producer for sixty minutes. He's getting it from his company, CBS. Because mm-hmm. they're afraid to be uh, sued by the tobacco company, and it's just, and the fact that like, like, is there any just the the realization like, is there anybody aside from maybe like the five people directly involved who actually care that this is the right thing to do, getting the word out, and just, yeah. and it's basically just, you know, part of the fun or you could say frustration is watching all the hoops. Uh, that Al Pacino has to jump through to to get the truth to the to the public, yeah. you know, and it's just uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful um, movie, and it just and and it's all about that. That was one of the one of the problems. I mean, I guess I don't want to repeat everything that we said on the slash film cast because mm-hmm. I imagine the because you know a lot of people have come to us from that, so they've heard it before. But you know that was that film purports to be a celebration of journalism um and and to a degree it is but like one of the reason one of the things that i didn't like about it as opposed to like the miniseries is that the scenes of quote-unquote tedious information gathering Mm -hmm. are cut together in like a montage now i understand it's just a movie you know you only get two hours Mm -hmm. and and also State of Play also happens to be a thriller, so it's not only about the journalism side. So, like, the scenes in which, you know, they're fi- they're talking to sources and all that sort of thing, they kind of, they put it together in a montage, and they get, so it's like, oh, but 
but that's that's journalism like that's the big part of it like the part that's you know where you try and you fail and it's just and it can be very frustrating like that is what's noble about journalism in my view is because it's just there's so much persistence involved yeah and a certain degree of stubbornness and that and you find that stubbornness in al pacino's character who does not give up even when it seems like oh there's no way out of this you cannot there's no way you will ever be able to do this but he just keeps doing it because he realizes it's the right thing and this is what journalism is supposed to be i've been talking for a while david go ahead (laughs) well before we get i want to get more into the nobility and the uh the sort of Indiana Jonesness of the way that some yeah. journalists are, are portrayed, but I, there's another movie that that very much harps on the uh, uh, on the problems with the the corporate interference problems, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Oh yeah, um, again television. Yeah. Um, <coughs> but and and again a true story. Yeah. Um, but I, I I wonder how much of that. Uh, obviously, the story was told to a, a 2005 audience. Right. Not what year did it actually take place? Uh, early 50s. 53. I can't remember. Around there, yeah. Um. Uh, and, and so I wonder how much of the the stuff that with like uh, Frank Langella and the people above him in that yeah. movie, you know, how, how much that was sort of played up to speak to the 2005 themes. Right. Right. Um. Because that's very much. I mean that's the great thing about Good Night and Good Luck. I mean it it was made at the right time because mm-hmm. it's a story that resonates so deeply with what's what was going on right here in 2005. Right. Um so what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Good Night and Good Luck is just a you know because that that involves another level of interference perhaps I mean I already mentioned legal I mean, this is governmental interference mm-hmm. that's literally... And then it brings up something that State of Play kind of flirts with, um, both in the miniseries and the film. Um, sorry, I don't mean to keep bringing up State of Play, but uh, it's what brought this topic on. Um, which is the idea that, well, like, if if a... Uh, like, what what about when a journalist himself is viewed as interfering with government, you know, the work that the government is doing. Like in state of play, I mean, there are there are people that are that have been murdered and the journalists find a key piece of evidence first and they choose not to pass it on to the cops, which could have actually saved another life. Mm-hmm. Where and then in Good Night and Good Luck, there's a scene um in which these two generals are saying um they're saying like, oh, well, uh, don't you think that people there's a there's a document that has been sealed and nobody can see it. Uh, and basically this guy was dismissed from the army as a function of that document. And and this general is sa- or this colonel is saying to George Clooney's character, it says the people who saw that document, you know, they like they're they're good people and they know what to look for in a threat. They know how to define a threat, you know, and, and you are. The claims that you're making are unfounded. Now, you know, we're certainly not meant to believe what the colonel says, uh-huh. but it does bring up an interesting point. And if you watch the commentary, you'll see that George Clooney was trying to give that colonel uh, an actual point, you know, trying mm-hmm. not to make him too negative yeah. um, and see that this is a guy 
this character is a guy who really thinks like you're hurting what we're trying to do. And so, you know, I mean, they Clooney gives a lot more time to the other side of it as he should, you know, like transparency in government is a good thing, you know, especially if somebody's being charged with something. Yeah, it it, it is a good thing, but it's very rare. And that's yeah. uh it's, this this topic is actually very uh resonant for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it it's a real problem. Yeah. The, the the way that the sort of uh legs have been taken out from under journalism because yeah. yes, transparency transparency in government is a good thing. It never really happens. Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason we have journalists. That's yeah. like the main reason is that they need to find the shit out that we wouldn't have found out otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's they're they're the they're the soldiers in that sense. Yeah, you know, um, in in that in that war. I mean, uh, there's a a healthy amount of distrust between between a people and its government. Yeah, is a, is a good thing, right? Um, because one person in that relationship or one entity in that relationship has all the power. Right. Uh, and we should be a little bit wary of them mm-hmm. uh, or a lot wary. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, that's why we need journalists that that's, and that's the point that good night and good luck was, was trying to make in that scene and pretty much in the whole, in the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and so I, I mentioned this on the slash film cast, but where I am working right now, uh, they are, I'm, I'm doing, research for a uh, a documentary that is you know uh, kind of a long ways off and it's and the documentary is about uh, journalists who have been either censored or arrested or in some cases killed you know while pursuing a story and um and it is interesting because you know uh, in this country you know a lot of journalists are killed often by criminals that they're investigating but there's also lately like in the last 15 20 years there have been a lot more instances of a journal of a journalist like being arrested for like refusing to name a source mm-hmm. or something like that um but then lately i've been i've been researching journalism in china yeah and it's i mean people are there's a guy who was put in prison for 13 years uh because he was writing a story about uh you know a, a an a, like an official who uh was not conducting himself in a in a c- correct way and so they said oh well you're you know you're making the what i don't remember what the exact charge was but it's like ah oh, this is you're making people distrust the government you can't have that mm-hmm. uh, put you in prison for 13 years you know and it, and ha- it happens uh not I me mean, not always with governments but in in Colombia or in in Haiti, if you see that movie that uh, I, I've talked about, um, the agronomist, right. a, a couple times, and I think it was one of my movie of the week picks yeah. a while back. Um, that's a great a great story about uh, someone who's ju- they're just it's <clears throat> there's a reason that they're shown as noble and sometimes as like I said before Indiana Jonesy in the yeah. movies is because it's a, it's it can be a dangerous profession trying to tell the truth in a place where the truth is there's so much at stake and the yeah. truth is discouraged so much, especially, I mean, it, like Columbia, um, j- just the way that, uh, especially back in, in the, in the like eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties, um, the way that the drug cartels really ran the country, mm-hmm. you know, more, uh, more so than the government did. Yeah. Um, trying to, 
expose them at all was really dangerous because not only are they the ones in charge, they also don't really have uh, the rules and strictures that a government would have. Yeah. So, um, th- yeah, that, that's that's what I wanted to get at is is the reason that these people are action stars in a lot of movies. Yeah. Is because it actually is a danger dangerous profession. There's a there's actually. On we'll we'll get into all the president's men uh, in, in a few minutes or you know maybe right now but uh, if you have the option uh, I'd say buy all the president's men and buy the two disc because there are so many great special features about modern day journalism uh, on on the uh, special features disc of of that uh, set and you know and. Somebody brought up a point that's kind of it's kind of silly. It's not really silly, but just you don't think about about it. That if you look at like old time comic book heroes like Superman and Spider Man, I have Superman and Spider Man on my list. Really, to talk about it's like, yeah, it's it's like yes, they're they're fighting crime, but they're still, you know, they're still fighting injustice even in their, you know, uh, alter ego or or secret identity. Yeah. Um, Superman probably more than Spider-Man because Spider-Man just takes pictures of Spider-Man. Uh, Peter Parker just <laughs> takes pictures of Spider-Man and gets money for it. But, like, you know, uh, that there's, in America especially, just the image of the noble journalist is, is it's just a very American theme because they're the ones who whose job it is to look for things or find things where other people don't think to look. Mm. So... It's uh, and they and they talk about a lot of really great things on that uh, in those documentaries. I really recommend watching them. Um, yeah, uh, I had Superman and Spider Man down for for the same reason. Um, because, uh, thankfully, this is this is true uh, of a lot of people. It, we keep using the word noble, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's true. Like journalism to a lot of people is seen as a like like the most well-intentioned profession yeah. that you can do. Um, and I, I think that's uh, a lot of times for a lot of people, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, that's why that, that, that's why they're, that's why superheroes are, <laughs> are journalists. And you know, what's interesting, uh, as I was doing my, uh, research into, uh, China, there was one journalist whose name I don't, uh, recall, uh, but she was also, a uh, like a singer and a television personality, but she was also a journalist, which is kind of a weird combination. Mm-hmm. But she went missing, and uh, and then I think she wound up being arrested and charged and all that. And uh, so the article that I was reading was written by an American. That's important later. Uh, and as I, and of course online now, people are allowed to comment on literally everything. Mm-hmm. And so there were comments on the article, and and. Like there are comments from people in China saying this article makes makes China seem like a terrible place, and th- and what they said it's just like it's like uh, and this was back when she had only disappeared and and before anybody knew what happened to her, and uh, and this person said it's like it's like oh just because she disappeared you're it's like you blame the Chinese government is that what it is, you know and then but then like the person later on said it's like and let's say something and let's say uh, something did happen to her you know and and let's say the government did you know abduct her or arrest her it's like well you know she probably did something you know they wouldn't do it for no reason and it Mm. was just like and i remember just thinking like wow i mean just and there were a lot of com there were more than one there was like five comments out of eight 
from people in China saying that. Um, and it just fascinated me. You know, I mean, I, I don't mean to crap on China, but like in a government like that, like the people are literally, they're not used to journalism being a noble profession, you know, or at least th- these people that wrote these comments, like just the idea that she, maybe she was doing a good thing and that, and that was why she was abducted. It's like, no, she must've been doing something wrong. And it's just the idea of, of a noble journalist it is i don't know if it's purely american but it's just there are some countries where a journalist is just uh you know they're just like a little weasel looking yeah. to you know well, that, i mean <coughs> people especially patriots in in america mm-hmm. um and i i consider myself a, a patriot uh but not i don't know a, david i get the, i get a very strong america hating thing from no, you no I'm, I'm just not uh, jingoistic but i'm no, fair enough but uh some of those are the people i am talk about the the jingoistic people yeah. um like to toss around the word freedom a lot yeah. in describing our country uh it's not free it, david yeah um <laughs> except that it is and it should be <laughs> yeah, i don't want to get into all that okay that's fine um but uh, they're kind of diluting the word, for one thing, by yeah. they overusing the word freedom and also misunderstanding it. Um, but the when people talk about freedom, the freedom that we as Americans have, uh, they're talking often about freedom of speech yeah. or freedom of, of religion, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but having a free press is integral to being a free nation. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I thought I, you were going to. No, uh, I was making a declaration. Oh, all right. All right. uh declaration uh anyway i'm sorry i was gonna make a a bad joke um so we talked about a lot of you know i'll I'll throw in uh well we'll talk about all the president's men before we talk about um movies that kind of show the kind of the the flip side the dark side of of what journalism can be or what or in some cases what it's become um so i'll talk about all the president's men first because there is nothing more yeah, maybe not nothing, but like there are a few things, few films that show journalism as more noble than uh, than this film. And one thing that I was thinking um, uh, that I thought about after we recorded uh, the slash film cast is I feel like, um, and Dave Chen, the uh, very generous host who had us on, uh, commented that like <coughs> that like if you want if you want to show journalism in a film like. You know, uh, and and you want it to be interesting, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to jazz it up a little bit and have kind of somewhat archetypical characters, mm-hmm. and um, and that if you want like to see the dr- the drudgery of journalism, you know, well then you can watch season five of The Wire. Uh-huh. And he's and he's, here's the thing, he's right, I yeah. would say. But for me, as far as my preference goes, I feel like if you're going to make a film about journalism you need to have you need to go in with the mindset of a journalist which is showing as much detail as you can showing as much of the truth as you can Mm -hmm. which is why i i love season five of the wire which is why i love uh the miniseries of state of play and why i love all the president's men because before like you know i mean just you have to, you know, the idea of like you have to crawl before you can walk. I mean, they make these little triumphs and they're very excited, but they you see them just getting doors slammed in their faces. You see extended interviews where nothing they learn nothing. Mm-hmm. You see like 
moments of humor where they actually start interviewing the wrong person entirely. I mean, just and it's not done in a montage. There is there is one little moment of them getting door slammed in their faces, but it goes on longer than it than I think people are used to uh-huh. because just to show that this happened a lot, uh-huh. you know, and just and there's like really long shots of of them just sitting and typing. And there is a lot of drudgery to to the you know to journalism to you know work you know digging through the facts and and that's and to me like when you if you make your film in that and you're not afraid to show the what some people would say the boring are the boring parts then I feel like the film by its very nature is truer to the spirit of journalism than than a sensationalistic film mm-hmm. um you know uh and I'll talk about this later when we discuss Shattered Glass. But just one of the reasons that I that I love All the President's Men is that it all it has a documentary feel to it. I mean, you'll see scenes where all the editors are sitting around the desk talking about what they're going to emphasize, and then maybe they and they talk about Watergate a little bit, and then it just everything about it feels so real. And that's one of the reasons that I think it's the best journalism movie is because not only is it the content and it talks about how amazing it can be um, and the great work that it can do, but it's told in a journalistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there like it won best that film won best art direction. Yeah. And it should have yeah. because that look, cause they built the set from scratch, mm-hmm. but that looks like a freaking newsroom. I've never been in a newsroom, but at the same time, that's gotta be what it looks like. Just yeah. Cluttered <laughs> and full of information on all sides, you know, um, do you you like all the presidents, man? Uh, right? I love it. Yeah, okay. I, was, I was lucky enough to see it in thirty five millimeter at Doc Films in, in Chicago. Oh, uh, that'd be great. A few a few years back, um, but I, yeah, I want to get to I want to get to Shattered Glass too. I just wanted right. to sort of throw out a couple more movies. Okay. Um, uh, then it goes back to the sort of the Indiana Jones thing that I was talking about. Yeah, uh, because um, all the presidents' men is you know it's it's sort of got uh, that like. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? So it's sort of got the adventurous thing, and that they're yeah. going out and like fighting the battle. But it's not it's not a globe trotting movie the right, way that Indiana right. Jones is. And I like the idea that there are movie, these movies about guys who were going out, you know, going all over the world, getting themselves into dangerous situations, and all they're armed with is a pen, you yeah. know, at least metaphorically. Uh, so I just uh, the Killing Fields is an oh, yeah. amazing movie, and and. Uh, Really great for that. And then there's a there's a, a Hitchcock film called Foreign Correspondent, which, which is I not, never saw. It's not it's not well it's not great, and it's not exactly a realistic portrayal of journalism. It All is right. sort of like this guy's a journalist in the way that Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. It, uh, yes. it doesn't really happen like that. <laughs> but um, I just wanted I just wanted to mention those uh, that sort of strain of like the the this, the world traveler, yeah, you know, uh, rootless but uh, determined. Anyway. There's another movie. It was made for TV that's actually kind of similar, and it's based on a true story called Live from Baghdad. Oh, and right. That's with uh, Michael Keaton, who was actually in another journalism film directed by Rod ha- uh, Ron Howard called uh, The Paper, which I've not seen. It's you know what? It's uh, it's it has moments where it's like, oh, this is a little uh, eh, this is a little Hollywoody, but there are other moments that are just the w- like the arguments that they have about a specific story. Um, feel completely real, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just, but it's it's the opposite of what you might think, where, um, 
the editor, played by um, Glenn Close, wants to run this story. You know, mm-hmm. she just wants to she just wants to get it out there. You know, we have enough information about you know this killing and these two young black men are accused of doing it, and Michael Keaton through various sources thinks eh, maybe it's not, and he keeps wanting to like push it and say like no here's the real thing you know you like he's saying that like no don't run the story that they did it like don't don't run that yet um so it's one of those weird things where like i mean i guess it's the idea of like pushing the deadline so that's not new mm-hmm. but the idea of the over eager uh editor yeah as a, and the cautious reporter like that's <laughs> that's actually kind of an uh, an invert but uh but a lot of the acting is great of course robert duvall is in it and just the way the, uh, the of course he is. Of course, there's no. Hey, what he? <laughs> yes, you know what? Of course he is. <laughs> I just like the way you said it. Of course, Robert Duvall is. And in uh, it. yes, as we all know, Robert Duvall is wonderful. <laughs> um, and just I don't know. I said it by uh, like William F. Buckley all of a sudden. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, I'm a fan. But uh, yeah, so the paper I actually it's not a perfect movie, but I recommend it a great deal because like all the presidents, men, it does feel uh, very real. Um, in just the way these characters interact and the relationships. All right, well let's let's uh let's end on a on a down note. Let's Absolutely. get to the negative. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, and that's the thing is as time goes on, I mean it's it it ends on a down note because we're we're ta- we're going to talk about you know, where as we talked about before, where papers are now or where journalism is now. Um mm-hmm. you know, uh and it's not in a great place. I mean, I'll, I will talk about, I'll start off talking about film criticism. And I've, I mentioned it before, I talked about it on the Slash Filmcast, that like, you know, film critics, print film critics are being fired right and left. Uh, got, you know, Hollywood gossip is being, uh, is being uh, emphasized more mm-hmm. than actual analysis. Um you know, you go from Siskel and Ebert, and then Ebert and Roper to Lyons and Mankiewicz, and um, you know, and that show is just—I'd uh, say Lyons more than Mankiewicz, but they're both—they're both not that great. But just the emphasis—it's like, the, like Lyons is saying a lot of really, really quotable phrases. I found out—I found out like a few days ago that there's a lot of people who really hate him. And it's like, well, I'm not sure if I'd say I hate him, <laughs> but because there's a lot of critics like that. You know, it's not like it's just him. The you quote whores, quote whores, people who are looking to get their name on a yeah. on a poster, or a movie, a DVD yeah. box. It's like, oh, I get to interview celebrities. Um, yeah, but uh, and then of course, there's <laughs> Peter Travers, king of the quote whores. I don't know if he's the king anymore. I've seen really? some pretty Earl Dittman. Well, Earl Dittman, yeah, yeah, but and he's. I, I think maybe Peter Travers is the father of the quote whore. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, <laughs> but the. Uh, you know, there's that, and then there's this, the story that happened uh, a while ago in which the Associated Press said that, hey, if you're a film critic, you get 500 words, and that's it. You know, and 500 words can be a lot, but we're not really. Um, yeah. It can be, you know, I mean, when you're actually writing something and you want to go in depth, 500 words is not that much. Um, but then, you know, if you want to write, you know, Hollywood gossip or something like that, then, you know, whatever, because that's, that's what people are buying. And, you know, I, I'm because that's my you know because that's my uh, aspiration in life. I tend to defend film criticism perhaps more than than it deserves. But film criticism is journalism, just like anything else. It's saying that hey, I'm looking out for you, the consumer, by saying that this movie over here 
that they're so cynically telling you you're supposed to like is awful. Mm. And you shouldn't waste your money on it. And if you don't and nobody else does, they're going to stop making them. Um, you know, and the emphasis is now like, well, nobody... Yeah, we don't want to tell people what they don't want to hear, you know. Yeah. We don't want to make people feel bad for loving, you know, Wolverine. And just like... And so now the emphasis is now just like, oh, look at look what these celebrities are doing, you know, and because that that makes the audience feel superior. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, these people have more money, but look at the way they're acting. I'm better than them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all about telling people what they want to hear and what will make them feel good. And that, uh, it, yeah, it's it's sensationalism. It's uh, it's, you know, what sells papers and and, and magazines. Right. Uh, that are of a journalistic sort of. Or, or at least a, a newsy sort of bent yeah. um, is sadly it's not like how in depth the reporting is. It's just how much I guess fun it is. Yeah, and that's how we get to shattered glass, right? Because um, that's a true story about a dude who wrote for the New Republic, which is a very respectable, yeah, uh, you know, political news magazine. Yeah, um, and he a uh, magazine that I would say is in what little that I've read it, even articles that interest me. I will say this, and I don't mean it in an insulting way. It's not fun. It's not a fun read. It can be <laughs> kind of dry and delightful and, and witty at times. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's fun. It's very informative. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I certainly wouldn't say it was fun, which is why when I, when I first heard the story of Stephen Glass, I remember thinking, like, what's this guy doing there? <laughs> like, how did he not get flushed out? Even before it was revealed that his stories were lies, how did he get n- not get flushed out? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what he did. He he made up uh, stories that were they weren't these weren't celebrities he was writing about, but they were still sensationalizing. And the New Republic uh, appeals like the, one of his big stories was Spring Breakdown, right? Uh, the the one where he went to the what was it like the Young Repub- Republicans convention, yeah, and uh, wrote about them, you know, all the debauchery that they got up to, right? Um, and it's it's because the New Republic appeals it's mostly to liberals, yeah. uh, and Democrats. Um, it's the same sort of thing as you're you're talking about with the celebrities. It's not, it's like I can look down on this person, right. you know, um, and that's I guess it sold magazines yeah. or something. But uh, it uh, that that's that's what that's what he did, and it, sadly, like, and I'm, we're we're all guilty of this. No one re- really reads uh, a magazine or like an article and says oh, I really loved that because of how true it was. Like right, you're saying right. I love it because it was a really fun read or yeah. uh, uh, or really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and when you think about it, uh, even something like uh, like the the article that eventually got him was uh, called Hack Heaven, which it's not very political. But when you think about the idea of that, it appeals to like liberals, not to imply that liberals are very anti corporate, but it certainly makes that article makes corporations look like morons and just Uh uh, they're the suckers, you know, and they're getting they're getting du- you know duped out of their millions uh-huh. um and so but eventually Stephen Glass was was caught by internet journalists uh-huh. you know uh, i mean he was he was eventually dismissed by his editor and and that's who who did digging himself but nobody thought about his you know nobody everyone just assumed he was telling the truth you know because he was their friend i mean if you li- one of the that's an that's another interesting uh, uh, DVD to watch because the uh, commentary is with the director 
and the 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 editor at the time um or one of them uh played by peter sarsgaard um chuck lane and he talks about like you know the reason that you never checked on this guy is because he's your friend why would you assume that your friend is lying to you Mm -hmm. you know and um but it's just but one of the one of the things one of the problems that i had with uh state of play is that it 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 trumpets print journalism as as there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that but it also kind of devalues internet journalism but you know print journalism uh let steven glass do it and what was the other guy jason blair yeah for the new york times yeah i mean they it's let it's funny that that happened i guess the do you think there are journalists cooking stories at less renowned publications that we just don't hear about it because it's a less renowned publication or is there something about the draw of uh uh keeping your job at the new republic or the new york times that's more likely to lead someone to cook in a story uh i th- i could see either one really um i I mean, for all we know, there's nothing true in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> or you know, like an or like an economic newsletter or something. Um, I don't, I don't want to see. I'm in this apologizing mood today. Okay, go ahead. But I'd, uh, anyone who's from Minneapolis, I didn't mean to say that the, it's not a good paper. I'm just saying right. that it's not a uh, it's not a nationally read paper the way that the New York Times is. Yeah, I mean, so I'm sure the Star Tribune is great. Yeah, the Rocky Mountain News is not. Uh, <laughs> you know, people don't have that delivered to them in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, and there actually is there's there's I I mentioned this before that uh, you watch the commentary for Shattered Glass and Billy Ray he mentions uh, a technique that is fairly it's fairly simplistic in which the first half of the story is pretty much about Stephen Glass in which he's the main character kind of the hero really uh-huh. second half is more about Chuck Lane and then he said that the first half the camera is handheld. And thus, a little shaky at times. Uh-huh. Second half, it's on sticks, uh-huh. which means it's more stable. And the idea is that we've gone from something that's not really dependable to something that's that you can believe in, right. you know. And it's and here's the thing: like, it's almost negligible, you know. It, it it's almost a subconscious thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's also it's almost like the first directorial choice you'd make with a story like a story like this. It's very easy. But his mindset—I like his mindset because, uh-huh. as I said before, he's taking the mindset of journalism, which is, I'm going to show them that, you know, this part of the story is inaccurate, and I'm going to reflect it in some way. Mm-hmm. And this part is accurate, and so I'm going to reflect that in some way. Like it's just—it shows that he's willing to do what the story requires, and as as I think a journalist would. Mm-hmm. I I love Shattered Glass. I, there are some people who is it somebody on Slash Filmcast didn't like it. I don't remember. And that's uh I don't remember. They're they're very nice guys, but I uh I love Shattered Glass. I think just, it's one of the best. The uh the audience at home just so you know, I've been doing a shot every time one of us mentions the Slash Filmcast. Okay. So I'm I'm very drunk right now. Sorry everybody. <laughs> um and now I got to do another one. <laughs> yes, yes. How about I do a shot every time you apologize? <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> And I don't drink, so I'm loaded. Um, so let's see. Well, I guess we could... Uh, I mean, there are a lot of movies that are kind of crazy, like if you want to talk about Network. I specifically didn't talk about Network. Okay. Because we've talked about it before. We talked right. about it with uh, with Jimmy Dore. Right. And um, that, that, that it's not really a movie about journalism. Right. 
I mean, uh, you could say that it is in the sense that, like, it's about ratings, you know, and so it's not about hard news anymore. It's just, it, yeah. it takes it to such a ridiculous level that you could say it's not about journalism, but it, it does it does reflect, like, the mindset of, like, this gets more ratings than that, so we will go with this, you know? Yeah, and the network seems like a movie about television right. more than about journalism, but right. it does have something to say. Yeah. But it's something that we've... It's it's a topic we've already covered right here, which is why I didn't bring it up uh, first and foremost. Uh, there is a movie. Did you ever see it called Absence of Malice? No, I never did. It's uh, it's not a great movie, but it does. Uh, it's got really good performances by Paul Newman and uh, Sally Field, and that one actually uh, is about the responsibility of journalists, you know, and the fact that she's very eager, you know, because you know if you're a young journalist, you've got flashes of Woodward and Bernstein in your mind, you're like, I'm going to break this story, man. Uh-huh. It's going to be great. And it's not even necessarily about your own your own prestige or anything. It's about like, oh, man, I'm, I'm in a noble profession. This is going to be great. And so Sally Field plays this. She's not really young, but she's still very eager. And she, you know, winds up printing something about uh, this, uh, you know, by, about Paul Newman, who is... Uh, like an industrialist or, or a businessman, I don't quite remember, but I think he owns his own company. And she prints something that turns out to be not completely true, and it gets him in a great deal of trouble. And so it's like, oh, shoot, oops, maybe I should have done a little bit more research before I just jumped into this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I feel like that's something that, that might happen. I mean, I remember, oh, shoot, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember Dan Rather a few years ago got into trouble because um it it was the um it had to do with uh president bush's uh uh what whatever branch he served in the uh air force the but it was the the reserve yes yes uh and it had to do with his uh oh like his his dates of i don't know yeah i mean it had to do with like uh reports of the way he can uh, uh president bush like conducted himself when he was in the the air force reserve and all that sort of thing and he said like oh it's all very poor marks and and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing and, right right and that's right and i think like it said oh he's trying to he's trying to cash in on his name to get out of doing certain kinds of work or something like that and then it turned out to, and so like dan rather reported it uh-huh. as fact uh and then it turned out that everybody that everybody jumped on it a little too fast mm-hmm. and that in fact uh it wasn't true it was yeah. Uh, falsified and uh dan rather eventually wound up uh, uh retiring as yeah. a result of that story uh, well and then but now he's back on hd net right is but that what it's called i don't know yeah but uh you know and so that's that is something that is that can happen even to somebody like dan rather who has been who's a pro at this you know because yeah. and i feel like that's that's something that like the 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 idea of like ratings and being the first one to get there and the guy the the first one to have like the scoop like it i feel like it is so permeated the the industry the journalism industry that i feel like that's something that can that can happen even to an old veteran where it's like oh we've got a great story let's go with it yeah it's like um you should maybe should have done a little bit more research but it's like yeah well we were the first one with the story well you're also gonna be the first one that has to uh, retract it so yeah, and that, I mean that—that's part of the to bring it back to movies that uh, that idea of being the first and getting the scoop and having a deadline is very cinematically 
uh, pleasurable. Oh, yeah. That's it makes for good movies. Oh yeah. So I mean that's that's why uh, I mean uh, that's it. That those are the, the those stakes are I think one of the main reasons that there are so many movies about journalism. Yeah. Is that they have to they have that that uh, that deadline is a very attractive uh, storytelling device. It really is because it's just like oh we gotta you gotta push it or we gotta you know we gotta we gotta make it just in time you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the very, I think perhaps the last thing that I'll that I'll mention, um, because it is something that shows up from time to time, is the idea of people uh, using the press for their own ends. Mm. You know, um, like if you look at, uh, I'll bring up just a few right now, like uh, uh, the original All the King's Men, probably the new one as well, where a guy who starts out being a political journalist winds up just being uh, recruited onto. Uh, this politician's you know uh campaign and all that sort of thing and so it's so eventually the guy stops being a journalist and just becomes a staff member but for a long time it's just he would print whatever he was given Mm -hmm. and it made this politician sound great you know one of the and one of the reasons he winds up getting elected is because of all these great favorable stories about him you know but he was it turns out the journalist was not necessarily being played because the guy actually did say these things but it's like oh well let's be friends with this guy because he can do us some good so yeah there seems that. to be there's a uh it seems to be a risk a lot of journalists talk about is becoming friends with the people that right. especially people who go on like a campaign trail and are yeah. seeing like maybe not the candidate himself but you know the the staff of the candidate they're yeah. seeing they're drinking with them maybe you know it uh, seems to happen a lot, but um, that th- and that's that's been a, that's never beneficial. I guess in a, in theory you can get closer to someone. It, it could mm-hmm. be beneficial to the press, but it's uh, almost always more beneficial to the person being reported on. You well, know? and it's and it's a theme that is brought up in State of Play, and yeah. where in the film it's these guys are former college roommates. Um, in the in the miniseries. Uh, the reporter was on was the campaign manager like nine years before, oh. and then be, and then became a reporter. And so, like in that way, you could say like it's it runs even deeper because there was a time when this guy was really on board with what the politician was saying and yeah. what he was doing. Um, but, uh, but, but another, well, go ahead. I was just talking more about uh, p- the government using the press, right. you know, and that's sadly that happened a lot with uh, the the with the most recent president bush yeah um they you know paid journalists or they would pay they, they paid like the uh god i feel i seem I, i'm gonna sound so underinformed because i don't remember all the details but they were paying like former generals mm-hmm. to go on to talk shows and oh, yeah, yeah and say essentially the the administration's talking points but not in any, in any way reveal or even imply that they were on the that they were uh, just a spokesman. They were saying things as though they were their opinion. And there's actually, um, that's true. I remember reading that and being very frustrated with it. Um, and I actually, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, starting from the campaign that like the press was very, very friendly with, uh, you know, now President Obama um, mm-hmm. to the point that even the other day after he, after he hit his first hundred days, like there was a, a guy who asked like, you know, when people are asking about uh, programs that he had started during his first hundred days, um, one guy stood up and said, "Like, so what? Uh, what aspects of being president have most enchanted you?" And mm-hmm. all that. Kind of, it's like, and that guy was from like the New York Times. Yeah. And so, do you remember? And it was only yeah. last week, but I it's heard just it. 
and and even Obama himself was like, uh, I don't know about enchanted. I'm not sure <laughs> if that's the word I'd use. And it's just and so I feel like perhaps there is something to be said for that. I mean, do you think that that's that that's true that the media just really because he is very media savvy certainly yeah um and me- very media friendly i mean do you think do you think that that might be true I'm i think not really it's sure. it's definitely a risk yeah um uh, I, I don't know i mean so far the reporting that i know of has been good mm-hmm. you know i don't feel like it's been too colored in a in a rosy direction mm-hmm. at all but um uh, that could just be my, my perception. Maybe there's a bunch of shit that I'm not hearing about. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's just that that you uh, that you're just buying into it. Yeah. Um, so uh, the last one that I'll mention is a movie that I'm not a huge fan of, and I, I know that you're that you don't necessarily love it either. But I think that it actually le- it it it's a good example of what we're talking about, where the subject is using the journalist. And that's almost famous. Oh yeah. Where I'm not a fan of that movie. Right, but this aspect of it. Where it's like, well, if the journalist is kind of a fan uh-huh. of who he's covering, he will give them a lot of leeway. And then, and then, like in the, in the, in this story, when he actually does print everything, they they keep saying, "Oh, we're friends, we're friends." But then, when he does print everything, they just it's like, "Oh, this makes us look bad." Let's just and they just hang him out to dry. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in and that that. Plot twist is actually probably one of the most interesting in in the film. Yeah, um, the relationship that he has with the musician specifically. Um, but uh, and I think I will just end with just saying that uh, the last season of The Wire I think is wonderful because it's got a lot of what we're talking about. Where there's it's I would, I would say it's informed a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just because it's done in that very all the president's men style. You know, mm-hmm. it's very you know, uh, very realistic, uh, very almost documentary like you've got the eager young reporter and what he represents to the point that he lies about mm-hmm. certain things. Uh, he's manipulated by some of his subjects as well. And then you uh, you've got, you know, one of the editors saying, like, I don't like where this is going and I don't think we should go there. But then you have the corporate side of the paper saying this sells stories and let's do that, you know, and uh, and basically uh, characters being rewarded mm-hmm. for doing, you know, for doing very much the wrong thing, and the idea of journalism being more about getting your, getting famous and and perhaps winning a Pulitzer as opposed to just, you know, getting information out to the to people. So season five, well, watch all of the Wire because season five is not going to make a great deal of sense to you <laughs> yeah. if you don't. But that aspect of season five, I think, is 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 great. Um, it's one of the things that I, that I love. Um, but, uh, I think we've covered everything on my list and I, we don't know what, how long we've been going, but I think we've been going a while. So I yeah, think, I think so too. We should probably wrap up. This has been yeah. fun. I, I like this episode actually. I oh, like good. that we, uh, we, we kind of just mentioned movies and then yeah. we did more talking about the theme here than, uh, well, that's the thing is when you talk about something like journalism, I mean, it's only a matter of time before you talk about what journalism does, which uh-huh. is it covers the government it covers crime it covers entertainment i mean it covers absolutely everything when it's you know when it's or in countries when it where it's allowed to yeah um and so so yeah i mean it's just as david said like the concept i i was talking to uh one of my bosses uh when we were discussing the uh the documentary that they that they're working on that i'm doing research for 
And they just said that, you know, one of the amazing things about the U.S. uh, is the idea of complete of pure uh, pure free speech Mm -hmm. and a and a purely free press, Mm -hmm. you know, and that uh, one of the sad things is that, you know, uh, in recent years, probably within the last 15 or so, uh, that is kind of got muddied a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like well, well you know uh the press is free unless we you know as the government or or the police or whatever it's like unless we say we want to find out the name of a source or unless we want to see a bit of footage that you're not showing us mm-hmm. in the case of josh wolf internet journalist um you know and then then we can treat you kind of however we want and so so it's something that uh it's one of the reasons that I do love good night and good luck is because it says like, yeah, once the, once the journalism, like once journalists are starting to be like censored by the government Mm -hmm. or, or being penalized by the government, like that's that you need to worry at that point. Like I'll, I'll paraphrase a a joke that Dennis Miller says about, well, he says it about, uh, uh, fat guys. Um, and that, uh, he, he mentions that like, you know, uh, that, the idea of fitness has gone crazy in this country and that uh, he's like, Oh, last time I remember everybody being completely healthy was 1930s Germany. Um, <laughs> but, and so, so I'll, I'll steal a line from him, uh, in which I'll say that, you know, uh, journalists are the uh, chirping canary in the mine shaft of freedom, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and that's, I'd say that's, that's right. Like once. Well, and yeah. And just like uh, journalists have uh, a duty to be, uh, honest and thorough, yeah. and we, the public, the audience of journalism, have a duty to hold them to that standard. Yeah, we, we can't put, place all the blame on them. We're just, we're, we're in this side by side with with the, with the journalists and with every, with everyone who's not uh, you know an elected leader. Right. We uh we, yeah we're all in this together. That's who what yeah. we need to be. That's who we kind of need to fight against. Even though, uh, in a way, I mean, we sort of have to have, like, a healthy, combative relationship with the people that we put in office. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Thanks for bearing with us. I don't know how long this episode is. Um, But, yeah, and, of course, to reiterate, uh, just go to battleshipretention.com. Look at uh, the page uh, that says Donation Drive. You can find out all the information about it that uh, that you need, uh, including uh, the prizes that you can win uh, through our raffle. Uh, we'll be doing the donation drive for the next month, uh, for the, rather the next uh, few weeks. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and of course, there's always the forum, the blog, uh, the movie of the week. So there's a lot of th- for for new listeners. There's a lot of things that you can do on the website. Uh, you can always email us Tyler at battleshippretension dot com, David at battleshippretension dot com, and uh, we will try and get back to you in a timely manner. So um, and uh, I and if you like the show, feel free to leave a, a nice uh, a nice. Uh, note on uh, on iTunes. Yes, a nice thanks. comment on iTunes. Yeah, I so, appreciate it. So uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye bye. bye.